All right. Well, welcome to another broadcast. And we're working with the Ross for U.S. Senate 2022 campaign. And we're with Nathan Holloway. We're going to talk about what led up to the Russian-Ukraine February 2022 invasion, Russia invading Ukraine. So he's going to share some research. Um and uh, that he's found in that, and it'll kind of give us a little bit better insight on uh, what's going on and and just the thought about what should we do about it, you know. All right, Nathan, thanks for joining. Take it away. Yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, so this all starts uh, with 2014 or rather 2013. Uh, in 2013, there was a string of protests uh, called the Revolution for Dignity. Uh, the Revolution for Dignity was a Ukrainian movement that wanted to try and restructure the government away from corruption, from away from oligarchs in the country controlling the government and uh, its policies in therefore of. Uh, this came to a boil in 2014 when the president of the country, I believe his name is Yanukovych. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, uh, but the former president Yanukovych uh, basically refused to sign a deal that was uh, passed in the Ukrainian parliament. That would be a trade deal and a political association or freedom of political association deal with the EU and instead turned down the Ukrainian parliament's request for that deal in favor of a uh, trade deal with EEU, or the Eurasian Economic Union, which is the union that is formed under Russia and uh, other economic interests tied to Russia. So because of this, a lot of people got really angry really fast. They started to clash with police all over the country. They started to go into government buildings. They started to take over government buildings. And eventually, it came to such a point that the government of Ukraine had to pass anti-protester laws. These anti-protester laws dictating that you cannot assemble an X amount of people, you cannot, you cannot assemble at X times in X places, you cannot have the freedom of assembly that we here in America understand as a basic uh, fundamental right of our country. They could not do that over there in Ukraine at this time. This led to even more agitation by the Ukrainian protesters as they started to make their way uh, all over the country. But more importantly, in the capital, Kiev, they started making their way to the parliament building itself. Now, this led to violent clashes with the police. The most, no uh, the most notable one being the most deadly one, which happened in, I want to say, either February, March, or April. 19th through the 20th. I can't remember the exact month, but it was the 19th through the 20th, and it led to 108 people dying. Mm. Uh, and I believe about 27 others being wounded. Mm -hmm. uh, they got so bad that they had to set up snipers to try and suppress the protesters all across uh, the capital city of Kiev and across other parts of Ukraine. What finally came down to all this ending was the President uh, Yelkovich and the opposition parties of Ukraine signed an agreement saying that the government is to be restructured and reformed and Yelkovich was supposed to step down. Not only did he agree to this, he stepped down, but he fled the city and he fled the country. Now, this didn't sit well with his supporters. Mainly, he had a lot of support in the east and in the south, which are coincidentally where Crimea and what we know as the Dumbass region is. So this is kind of where the pieces start to fall into place to understand what's going on today. Mm -hmm. uh, if we can get the... Uh, okay, get the slides up here. All right. Yes, there you go. Yes. So, as I said, uh, can you take us back to that previous slide to get a good picture of that? Yeah. Okay. 
So this here's is the map of Ukraine right mm -hmm. now. The parts in gray are what are uh, known as either occupied territories by Russia or uh, breakaway nations in the making. Uh, the LDR and the KDR, I believe, which stand for the um, which stand for the Donetsk. Uh, uh, the Donetsk People's Republic and the Lushank People's Republic. Okay. Uh, these are the things that have been taken away from Ukraine over the course from 2014 to right now. Hmm. Uh, this doesn't show the invasion happening. This is just what is uh, not a part of Ukraine that was a part of Ukraine before 2014. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, good. And as I said, uh, 2014 was the tipping point for all of this. Uh, uh, this slide just explains what I previously just said, but uh, to expound on that further, uh, during 2014, uh, they decided, they being Russia, decided to uh, intervene in a sense. Russia saw that the overthrow of Yunukovych uh, to be illegal. They thought it was an eagle, a legal coup. Uh -huh. uh, and actually, Yunukovych asked for Russian help uh, during this turbulent time. Hmm. Russia seeing the turbulence of this and wanting Crimea, uh, they decided to go ahead and bolster the Russian, uh, the native Russian population in those regions to be more vocal, be more outwards, and to try and make a case for these regions to belong to Russia. In the oh. case of Crimea, they bolstered up the native Russian population and Russian separatist movements. And these movements and groups decided to take over government buildings. They decided to go from uh, small uh, local regions into they got their way to Sevastopol, which is uh, the key city in that region of Crimea. Uh, Sevastopol was the turning point for this. Once these uh, separatist and Russian nationalists or Russian uh, backed groups, Russian, these groups that want to be part of Russia, whatever you you prefer to call them or whatever they are classified as. Mm -hmm. They took over Sevastopol government buildings to which then they had an election and a referendum of the population deciding whether to be a part of Ukraine or to be a part of Russia. The legality of this referendum is questioned, but the end result is that Crimea went to Russia. Uh, during this time, it was said that uh, Russia sent in humanitarian aid along with a bunch of unmarked uh, soldiers with no insignia, tying them to any formal branch of the Russian military or Russian government. But it was highly suspected that they were there and they were helping influence and make things violent during uh, this referendum and seize of power in Crimea. The exact same thing was happening in the Donbass region, which is uh, the provinces of Donetsk and Luhansk. Uh, I really hope I'm trying to pronounce Luhansk. Maybe Luhansk. Maybe I am not a linguist expert. Yeah, that, uh, that's uh, pretty close there. Yeah. I'm not a linguist expert, but. Uh, the exact same thing was happening in these regions, which we commonly refer to the Donbass region collectively. Uh, during this time, uh, as I said, the south being Crimea and the, the bordering counties to the north of Crimea were very supportive of the former president, uh, Yankovic. And the east, which we know as the Donbass region, or at least parts of the Donbass region, were also very supportive of Yankovic. Uh, which is why the similar things happened in the Donbass region. Uh, a lot of people, now uh, to start this off, 
these were more, these started off as just protests by the native population uh, being against the newly formed Ukrainian government. These people didn't like it. They liked Yunkovich and they, one way or another, didn't like the new direction this new government was going, or they preferred the over, old government and the stability under it versus the turbulence of a new government being formed, whichever way they went on it. Okay, so the current president is... Zelensky. Zelensky, okay. Yes. So he was not in power in 2014. No, no, okay. he was a actor and comedian at that point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're looking, we had an actor for a president too, though, didn't we? Yeah. We had an yeah. actor as a president too. Yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan was an actor, you know, yeah. uh, and I think uh, several, several others may not have officially had that, that <laughs> title, but I think they do pretty good when it comes to convincing uh, the the American public of some things. So during that time, it wasn't the current president, but the one before that was having issues with keeping the country together. Crimea wanted to be uh, Donbas and, and Korea. Uh, Crimea wanted to be one, one uh, up under the Russian government. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, not exactly. Uh, okay. So it's split between uh, people who were vocally for the unification of these regions with Russia okay. against the people who wanted to stay with Ukraine. Okay. Uh, unfortunately for the people who wanted to stay with Ukraine, the people that wanted to unite with Russia or be under Russian rule, or uh, in the case of Donbass, have their own autonomous regions, Russia stepped in and supplied effort to those uh, voices and those movements that were against remaining with Ukraine, hmm. uh, which tipped the scale in the favor of Crimea being taken to Russia. And in the case of the Donbass, uh, Donsket and Lushank uh, being declared autonomous regions. Okay. Okay. So now when we, because I've heard Crimea when it, during this current conflict, Yes. So what what's going on with them now? They don't they want to be a part of Russia or they are a part of Russia or they want to be a part of the Ukraine now. So in terms of Crimea, as of right now in 2022, uh, we don't have a lot of information about what the people of Crimea want, at least not that I have found in my mm -hmm. research. We are not sure exactly what the people of Crimea want in that sense. But what it is, in effect, the case is that it is viewed by Russia as a part of Russia, and they believe that to be so. What most of the Western world, being the rest of Europe and America, Canada, and all these uh, normalized Western powers, they believe that Crimea still belongs to uh, Ukraine in sense, but was annexed by Russia, which mm -hmm. remains it's Russian occupied, not uh, fully a part of Russia, but just occupied by Russia. Mm -hmm. Kind of like China and Hong Kong. Uh, China and Hong Kong are a different situation. Hong Kong is recognized as an autonomous region uh, with its own government and its own system. Uh, Crimea falls under the Russian jurisdiction and the Russian government as of right now. Okay. Own autonomous region, which kind of like how we have federalism here in America, uh, what the government, what the federal government does, in this case, the federal government being the People's Republic of China, uh, they can say these are generalized things that the country will follow, but then you get to federalism and the states can make their own laws, which is kind of the case for Hong Kong. It isn't a one-to-one -one comparison, but that's the best way to try to describe it to people who don't know a lot about it. Okay. Okay. Super. Thanks for, for educating us. That that's what I like about 
what you do, Nathan, is the research analyst. You know, one thing about the campaign is, you know, we don't just shoot from the hip. You know, we research what's going on and then uh, try to educate ourselves and others so that Dr. Ross can share uh, the ideal that will make things better, not just say what everyone else is saying and the news media is saying this and and this time and that time or whatever just because it's in the the uh the news media it doesn't mean that it's correct you know yeah doesn't mean that it's uh always the way that it needs to be and i think that what we need to do is what we're doing it's doing a little bit more research to find out what the real deal is for uh what's actually going on so then when they start, you know, making accusations and suggesting that things need to change or be different or the funding, you know, that's always a big issue. Uh, we need to support. Okay, what are we supporting? Why are we funding? See, we have a better idea of what's going on. Yes. Okay. So what's going on at this point? The, the new Ukrainian government started uh, to fire back. Yes. So, as I said, uh, the in the Donbass region, these protests normally just started as a native population being against, uh, in one way or another, against the newly formed government. Uh, and they were vocal about it, but they didn't take up armed action. It wasn't mm. until separatist groups and Russian-backed groups or uh, other groups of that sort of uh, propriety started to get involved themselves into these uh protests into these uh, areas of conflict. Uh, these people then decided to take it upon themselves with either their own weapons and uh, ideas of what is to be, or with help from the Russians to declare these two regions autonomous zones. Okay. Uh, they started by doing the same tactics, going into government buildings and uh, kicking out the Ukrainian government officials there to prop up their own. Uh, then it came to a boiling point to where the Ukrainian government tried to uh, quell uh, these separatist movements. Uh, it was best described as a region in a rebellion. Uh, it was not viewed by the Ukrainian government as uh, a civil war or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was viewed as a region in rebellion, which has certain connotations to it. You know, that their movement isn't legitimate, that, uh, you know, this isn't the will of the people. This is just a bunch of opportunists trying to do whatever they want with us with an autonomous state, to which then the Ukrainian government has fought these guys for eight years now. Wow. Oh, uh, see. Yeah, this they started opening. They started opening fire back in 2014, uh, a couple of months after uh, Crimea was lost. Uh, mm -hmm. Trying not to lose any more of what the Ukrainian government, or the newly formed Ukrainian government saw as rightful Ukrainian territory to Russia, they decided to fight against these guys, uh, these separatist uh, uh, people who wanted to be a part of Russia, whatever have you. Mm -hmm. uh, they decided to fight them with weapons and destruction, to which then radicalized a lot more people of the Donbass region to either flee into Ukraine for refuge or to take up arms themselves and try to defend or seek vengeance or any number of reasons why people would take up guns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, um, so uh, what we're looking at now is what? What is it, why would Russia what what is russia wanting and why are they there why are they why did they bomb why are they dropping uh bombs and fighting and invading the ukraine now uh well it comes down to what 
two key factors that the Russian government themselves have proclaimed. We can make assumptions about whether these are the real goals or not, but based off the information we have, we know that these are the two things they have said and are executing as their modus operandi. This, these are their mission objectives, to demilitarize and to denazify Ukraine. To demilitarize is to take away the weapons of war, the operations of war in Ukraine to make it a peaceful nation, or a peaceful nation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, to which during the first few weeks of this invasion, we saw that they were doing, they were bombing bases, they were bombing military infrastructure, they were staying away from civilian targets. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Until these civilian targets uh, posed a perceived military benefit, a perceived military operation of sorts, to which then they started getting bombed. And then the invasion forces started rolling further into Ukraine. When they started rolling further into Ukraine, uh, in the east, some people fought because uh, the Ukrainian National Defense Forces thought that there was a possibility for a Russian attack sooner than, rather than later. So they did set up preliminary forces along uh, the borders that were not in a rebellion to which then the Russian army quickly moved past them. Uh, their goal of denazification is a little bit more abstract. We can concretely see and objectively measure the efforts of the Russian military trying to demilitarize, but it's a lot harder to see what the, mili the Russian military is classifying as denazification. Uh, Russia perceives that there is a neo-Nazi movement, a nationalistic movement in Ukraine that is threatening native Russians or ethnic Russians in Ukraine. Uh, this comes in the form of the Azov Battalion, uh, the most notable one, and other right-wing paramilitary groups that took up uh, means to help defend and ready Ukrainians after 2014 happened. These groups, pulled, these groups popped up all over Ukraine, uh, radicalizing and training people to be ready to fight Russians when and if the, the time came. Uh, they were there before 2014, but they grew a, a whole lot more after 2014. And they continued to grow and grow and grow until 2022 when the invasion happened. Russia is using these groups and their ties to the Ukrainian government, whether directly or indirectly, as the key thing that Ukraine is being Nazified, Ukraine is being nationalized. Not nationalized in an economic sense, but nationalized in a political ideological sense. Mm. They are. Mm -hmm. of, Russia is afraid that they are trying to kick out the ethnic Russians, the Russian speakers, and have a nationalist Ukrainian Ukraine, mm -hmm. uh, to which there have been conflicting reports. There have been everything under the sun said about whether this is true, whether this is not true, whether it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, but what we do know is that the Azov Battalion, the most notable uh, far-right neo-Nazi group militia in Ukraine, has been officially uh, adopted by the Ukrainian military during this invasion. Oh. And they have been given the Hero of Ukraine Awards to these uh, to people in this battalion, which is basically our medal of honor. Mm -hmm. Are we seeing this? Are we hearing this in the media, in our media, United States media? Is that being shared? Uh, it depends on where you look. Yeah. And it depends on how well you notice certain images uh, floating around in the media. 
-hmm. Some people will uh, post images of the Azov Battalion saying that they are uh, just a militia trying to help their neighbors and their country fend off the Russians. But if you look closely on some of the insignias they carry, they carry neo-Nazi insignias, mainly the Black Sun, which mm. is a neo-Nazi symbol. Mm. And even, uh, I believe it was NATO, uh, posted pictures of Ukrainian militia trying to help uh, people affected by the invasion, people that were uh, hurt, lost their homes, or they were fighting on the front lines. And these pictures showed them having neo-Nazi insignia hmm. on their uniforms. Wow. Wow. So the plot thickens. It's not so much as... Well, you know, so now the invasion did happen. Yes. Russia is saying, mm -hmm. look, we're we're doing this to for the two reasons, the good reasons that you pointed out uh, during your research and uh, to demilitarize Ukraine and to, to denazify Ukraine. Um, and you're right. When we first started hearing things through the, the media, the mainstream media here in the United States, we, you know, did hear where they were bombing and uh, these the different stations, uh, military stations, and then the United States uh, returned by sending over uh, military gear and funding for the military. So in support of uh, what Ukraine is doing, the efforts that Russia has done to wipe out their military, well, the United States, they're funding the military. So there seems to be a disconnect here. There's a tug of war of something that yep. uh, is causing this because who wants to have uh, a Nazi, you know, the, the, like the German Nazis uh, reoccur and walk this planet ever again in, yep. in a force. I mean, no one wants that. Uh, and with today's weaponry, I know that the world would not last very long if that did happen because of, I just think people are just, just out of their freaking minds. <laughs> I think you, you've got to be out of your mind to hate on that level. You cannot destroy your brother on that level and think that you're going to survive, you know? So, um, very interesting in um, in what's going on here. Uh, but, of course, that's another ideal of what's happening, another view of, of research. Uh, who really knows what's going on, you know? Yeah. I think that this research is good. Uh, but what I've also heard is that, too, and this is just me not researching, but just kind of hearing that this... Um, uh, tug of war, you know, because it is a war between Ukraine and Russia has been going on for hundreds of years. You know, there's no, uh, this is not a new thing, right? Yeah. This is uh, same old soup, you know? Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, the distraction of what war brings is, is more, too of a concern if i'm being distracted by war then what's really going on what's the cover-up all about mm -hmm. and why is it so important now when this has also been going on in 2014 and you know russia is not uh they're not innocent when it comes to world relations oh. and getting along yeah. with the world uh they're definitely not innocent in that they have supported uh, many, many wars and skirmishes and takeovers, even in the great continent of Africa, several African nations um, that have gone through with, uh, with Russia funding war in civil unrest and civil wars, um, you know, which in turn, when, when you fight in 
outward amongst each other, then it puts a strain on that nation. You can't focus on taking care of your people and raising crops and food and education and providing a safe living environment. You know, you can't focus on making life better because you're at war or you're funding a civil war somewhere to to make it a distraction. So then that way you can go in and take from that country. Uh, Rwanda was something that I was doing research. You know, Russia was right there, you know. (laughs) You know, funding this uh, and, you know, with it being a civil war, what what are you funding? You know, these are people that have been going through for a long time with each other, and then one's going to fund the other, and then have a, a superpower is going to have a force and a presence there to continue on. And we know what happened in Rwanda. That was yeah. truly genocide. No, yes, truly genocide. So now we're hearing about that. Well, our our president called this um, a genocidal effort going on by the Russians. Uh, okay, yes, chemical warfare is wrong. Uh, it's warfare. And we're still trying to figure this thing out, you know. But I think that when we're looking at uh, what's been happening in the past, there no one is innocent here. And we can go on to with how our country has handled themselves when it comes to causing uh, civil unrest in nations in order to, uh, for the sake of whatever, taking resources. You know, we're, we're, I, I'm just going to say that, you know, I know that we're not innocent in it because we do have a big, big stake in having, uh, needing oil or energy too. So those countries that do uh, have oil, it's just kind of weird how we seem to go in and fight for the liberation of those people. And oh, by the way, it means taking over and and killing the uh, heads of state there that have gone in and made that country better. But of course, they made them very wealthy too. That country yeah. wealthy, and to go in and take the wealth by killing it, the the leadership and the headship. Uh, have you seen anything as far as the economy, the economic situation? What What is this? Yes. Uh, so in terms of uh, the economy, I haven't really looked too much on the Ukrainian side. I've been focusing more on the economy of Russia since they are the aggressor and uh, they are the ones perpetrating this war and uh, continuing it on and on. Uh, what it looks like from the Russian side, economic-wise, is that these sanctions are really hitting the Russian economy, but the Russian economy is starting to bounce back a little bit. Uh, I Maybe a week or two ago, a ruble was worth uh, $1,000. Uh, no. Uh, Sorry, I mixed it. Uh, one dollar, one American dollar was worth a thousand rubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's trending downwards. Uh, I believe it was somewhere around an American dollar equals eight hundred rubles. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a big, pretty big trending there. You know, uh, seems in favor of what the Russians are doing in spite of all of the different sanctions that the United States and um, and European Union, is that who's also putting sanctions or is it NATO? Uh, Different European countries are putting sanctions on Russia, Uh, Western powers, Canada, America, New Zealand, Australia, Japan. Uh, These other countries are putting sanctions on Russia the EU as an effort, uh, the trade deals that EU and Russia do have, uh, mainly uh, the Nord Streams and other pipelines going from Russia through Eastern Europe into Western European countries uh, have been sanctioned. 
I don't really know if NATO as an organization mm -hmm. has issued any sanctions. Mm -hmm. uh, if they have the power to, I would not be surprised if they did. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is a lot of sanctions going on. And most of these sanctions are hurting the Russian people, not necessarily the Russian government. Uh, one thing that we as Americans have to understand is that after the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia was gobbled up in sectors of oligarchs. And these oligarchs after the fall of the Soviet Union have like, uh, concentrated their power, concentrated their money, concentrated everything that they possibly can. And uh, since Putin has come to power, these oligarchs have gotten more and more wealthier and thus funding Putin and the government more or less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The power of the governments and the people in charge get their power and strength and money from these oligarchs. They don't get it from the people. So when we put these sanctions on the people, mm. we are hoping that they have enough of it and they try to do something and they take action into their own hands. These sanctions hurt the people and it has never been proven that sanctions stop any kind of war, any okay. kind of government action. Okay. There's no proof that sanctions do anything besides hurt the people of the country they are imposed upon. Well, with you sharing even the numbers of what the ruble is to the dollar uh, now that it's faring better, then um, that's just proven a proven point too. And um, you know, I think that they also have an ally. Russia does now, and that's China. So China and Russia are coming together to as allies. Hmm, which is makes it even more interesting. Um, but uh, what do you think? Uh, in regards to the situation with Russia and China, it is a very complicated and geopolitically, ideologically uh, complicated issue. Mm -hmm. I think so. Russia and China have a history uh going back to the soviet union now don't they share borders don't they, they share a border border. Mm -hmm. uh, wait uh yes no not after the fall close. of the soviet union they don't okay close, but after the fall of the soviet union those borders no longer touch mm -hmm. hmm. uh, but close enough in a way too though maybe they don't touch but they're they are close uh somewhat economically uh mm -hmm. they russia is a part of some asian trading organizations uh because of their easternmost ports uh mm -hmm. and they do trade with japan korea uh sometimes even the united states and canada uh, depending on the trading organization that they are a part of okay uh, but in terms of China trying to support Russia through this, China does take the stance that uh, there is a Nazi problem in Ukraine and it does need to be solved. They have come outwardly and said that the way to solve this is not through invasion, but through uh, taking out these members of far-right organizations in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. It is very complicated and not clear what China's goal is with this, what they plan to do with this loose alignment on uh, policy, uh, tactics. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not clear, at least from what I have read. Yes, there have been Chinese uh, state actors that have openly support for the invasion or for what Russia is doing. Uh, but as China's government as a whole, I do not remember anything coming out from the body itself 
in support or in not support of this conflict. Cool. That uh, usury, usury river uh, seems to uh, have a considerable forms a, a distance uh, boundary between China and Russia up mm -hmm. in near Siberia from what I can see. Uh, but still, you know, the fact that they're, they hang out with the coal people. Hmm? <laughs> that's what <laughs> Siberia. I mean, Oh Lord, that's just too cold. So they, they don't touch touch, but there's uh, there are some boundaries there. Yes. Well, what can we, what can we expect? What do you think? What, what do you think is going to happen uh, moving forward? Uh, just the next month or so. Um, based on the way that the Russians are advancing, or in this case, uh, falling back, the Russian army is not equipped for the modern style of warfare. Yes, we they have been involved in conflicts in Syria. They have been involved in conflicts all over the world uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union. But the Russian military has not fully adopted out of the style that they were prepared for during the Cold War. Hmm. Russia was prepared for a land war. Uh, I'm sorry, the Soviet Union was prepared for a land war uh, in Europe during their time in case anything got out. The style of that kind of military is grossly outdated as of 2022. Hmm. But Russia has not updated their military to this new style of warfare and the way the tactics and uh, the advancements and retreats of Ukraine are going proves this. Mm. They thought that they would send their units and army in to uh, easily take over Ukraine. And these drones, these javelins, rocket launchers, handheld uh, portable detonation devices, mm -hmm. The Russian army is not being prepared for that, which mm -hmm. is why we recently saw the retreat out of Kiev. Whether that's the truth or they are planning something else and Kiev was a distraction is yet to be seen. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, as it looks, it looks like the Russian army was not prepared for any of the equipment being sent into Ukraine by other militaries and other militaries around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, they were sending their tanks into convoy lines 10 kilometers wide or 10 kilometers long. And they would be blown up by drones. They would be blown up by uh, uh, missiles. They would be thrown up by RPGs or uh, propelled rockets uh, coming out of javelins, coming out of short, long, medium range uh, propulsion devices, okay. which greatly stopped the advancement of trucks, tanks, fuels, supply lines, getting to the troops on the front line in the Russian uh, forces. They are not being, they're not caught up to date when they are the ones waging war. Yeah, that's a very interesting, uh, it's, it's what's happening and we hear about it. I don't know, like you say, you know, if it, they're just blowing smoke to, you know, fake we call it call uh, faking or, or acting like a possum type. <laughs> yeah. They're just acting like a possum or if this is for real, but I just can't imagine doing all of what you do and then in, in doing the invasion and then uh, not going in and doing uh, the best that you can to, to, you know, meet the goal. And they're claiming these, uh, invasion the invasion even though the retreat has happened by the russians they're still sending propaganda in russia saying that they're being victorious you know the, they have the victory in this um just just kind of a strange situation and i think that as americans we just we don't want to fall for the okie doke we're not quite sure but with their smoke there's fire if it's stinky yeah. there's some poo somewhere yeah. <laughs> so, 
So that's just kind of how I think about it. It doesn't quite smell right. So we'll we'll have yeah. to see what's going on. Uh, wow, Nathan, uh, just super, super presentation. Do you have anything else for us? Or are we just, uh, are you good with what you've shared? Or do we need to just come back and talk about something else a little later? Um, the only thing I would say is another option for us and other countries to try and step up to do is to, and this is a controversial opinion, I am well aware of that. We need to stop sending weapons into Ukraine. We need to start sending medical supply. We need to start sending aid. We need to try and get out as many people that can and want to get out as we possibly can and harbor them to safety. The more this war goes on, the more people are gonna die. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know people don't want Russia to have victory in this. They don't want uh, Ukraine to become a puppet to Russia. And I understand that. But when we continue this war, we are only prolonging the death of every Ukrainian, or we're only increasing the death of every Ukrainian, we're only increasing the death of every mm -hmm. Russian soldier, mm -hmm. and yeah. all those who are affected and killed off by sanctions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Killed off by sanctions. I think what we're hearing now, this is... Uh, this is April the 13th, 2022. What we're hearing, too, is that uh, they're saying that Russia has resorted to chemical war. Uh, there have been some reports by Ukrainian militia. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, especially in the Maripol region, which is uh, currently uh, being besieged by the Russian mm -hmm. army. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to that report was given, but... Uh, the world is being cautious to respond in that in that way because they're saying it's hard to prove. It is hard to prove. You know that, I mean, that uh, the whole reason that uh, we had a hard time proving Assad used chemical weapons in the first place mm -hmm. uh, when the Syrian war broke out and there was reports of chemical weapons, it was taken very seriously, but there was just no signs for like I want to say maybe a year or two. Mm -hmm. of any chemical weapons even being in the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, that could be more smoke, more mirrors, more something. It to... could be, or they could actually be using chemical weapons. They it, could is, be. it is very hard to say. It's hard to say. Sure. Well, we are going to keep an ear out for all of what's going on. And I think one of the main things we can do is, is pray. That's one of my suggestions. Uh, is to pray for the situation so that uh, the right thing will be done. And, uh, of course, yes, for the people, of course, we want to do all we can. No one wants to uh, see citizens of any country go down in peril because of uh, fighting nations bickering between each other for whatever reason. Uh, but uh, we definitely don't want any Nazism popping up again, you know, and if that's the case, then everyone needs to get on board and do what they need to do to support and squash and um, be that uh, help the, the situation by analyzing through it, you know, what can be done, you know, not just pointing fingers and, you know, calling people uh, the genocide, you know, that type yeah. thing that's not helping. You know, as well. <laughs> that's not helping. But definitely, what a great report. Thank you for the overview. Thank you for the historical, uh, the historical overview of what, uh, why Russia and the Ukraine are where they are. I think that's important to know. And thank you for your opinion. I think that that's important, too, in what needs to happen. Because we as Americans, we can form opinions. Uh, but we do it based on uh, the information that we have. If we're doing it with mainstream media, voicing our opinions and coming to conclusions about what needs to happen based on mainstream media alone, then we're kind of at a disadvantage because a lot of sensationalism is going on there and people just want to make the, the most um, 
uh, exciting report do you know win yeah. or whatever not so much the the most accurate report but at least the most sensationalized uh, report you know there's some type of uh, journalism that happens in that way but uh, journalists are being affected too they're losing their lives over there too from what we yeah. understand and that's not cool either so uh, but you know we appreciate you Nathan Nathan Holloway. Now, he is the research analyst for the Ross for U.S. Senate 2022 campaign. And he is now, Nathan, you are a political student, aren't you? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. And in uh, in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So mm -hmm. if people are interested in politics, you, you can't get any closer than that than to go ahead and study it and make it part of your career. So. We appreciate you and your efforts. Uh, I know that finals are going to be coming up and everything and research papers and all that, but you took the time to do the research for us and to help us get a better understanding of this Russian-Ukraine issue. So we appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Hold on Thank a minute. You. Don't go anywhere.